Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text this Sunday, as we observe the third to last Sunday of the church year, is the Gospel reading, Matthew chapter 24. Today we begin our final approach toward the end of the church year. You might have noticed in the readings already that the tone has changed. Though we had a preview of this back on the 10th Sunday after Trinity, yet this week we now begin to hear about the return of Christ and the final judgment in earnest. And though our Lord's words may be difficult to hear, yet His purpose is not to frighten us or make us fearful of His coming, but to prepare us for it. He gives us these words so that we might watch for His appearing, be ready for it, and eagerly await the resurrection of the dead. Now our Lord sometimes has the habit of teaching about more than one thing at a time. In St. Luke's recollection of the conversation in our text today, he organizes our Lord's teachings into two parts to be easier to understand, but that isn't how St. Matthew does it. He preserves our Lord's teaching of both the destruction of Jerusalem and his return, even if it does mean covering both topics at the same time. In our text today, our Lord teaches us about the final destruction of Jerusalem and about his return. One will come with a warning, the other not. The setting of our text this week is the Mount of Olives, perhaps even in the Garden of Gethsemane, somewhere in the middle of Holy Week. If you remember all the way back to Trinity 10, we talked about the, the sequence of Holy Week begins with Jesus teaching in the temple during the day and then going out to Bethany to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' place to lodge at night. One day, as Jesus was leaving the temple with his disciples, the disciples began to marvel over the great buildings of the temple complex. Jesus said to them then, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Here again, Jesus foretold the destruction that would come to Jerusalem at the hands of the Romans, a little less than 40 years later. Now, in the immediate sense, the disciples were confused by what Jesus meant. If you read just before our text, in the first part of Matthew 24, the disciples were thinking that Jesus was speaking about his return here, but he wasn't. Instead, he was foretelling the punishment Jerusalem would receive for her rejection of the Savior. This is a major topic in Scripture and for the history of the church. 
judged by the amount of emotion and words dedicated to it, the destruction of Jerusalem, both by the Babylonians in the Old Testament and the Romans in the New, are about the most painful lessons in Scripture. We heard back on the 10th Sunday after Trinity how our Lord wept over Jerusalem, how he longed to gather them as a hen would her chicks, but they would not have them. All throughout the prophet Jeremiah's ministry, for example, God the Father bore his heart and his deep sorrow over his people's rejection. They hated his word and each other. They lived lives of idolatry, as we, we heard about with the golden calf, violence and hatred and, and adultery. Yet all the while, they, they took pride in their city and in their temple, and they believed that no harm could ever come to it. We also heard on Reformation Sunday how our God is just, and justice demands the punishment of sin, including unbelief. And so our Lord allowed Jerusalem to be destroyed by the Babylonians in 586 B.C. And when the Babylonians became full of themselves, God allowed them to be destroyed by the Persians. Just as God's people rejected him in the Old, they did it in the New Testament. Although many did believe in Christ and receive salvation through faith in him, many more rejected him, as did Jerusalem as a whole. Therefore, as judgment against them, God would allow Jerusalem to be destroyed once again, though it would not be without warning. Our Lord said to the disciples, and this is the start of our text, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. This is a reference to a prophecy given through the prophet Daniel that armies would come and surround Jerusalem on every side. They would disrupt worship and pollute the temple with their idols. Our Lord teaches us here that Daniel spoke of the Romans. But remember, our Lord's purpose is not to frighten, but to prepare. Therefore, he encouraged the disciples that when they saw these things coming, to flee Jerusalem. And actually, that is what they did. Ancient historians, both church historians and otherwise, tell us that when the Romans came, the Christians remembered these words of Jesus, and they fled up into the mountains to the town of Pella, and so were safe from harm. As we said, though, the Lord sometimes has a habit of speaking about more than one thing at one time. And our text today is one of those times. Up to verse 22, 
our Lord warns of Jerusalem's coming destruction. There would be signs for the Christians to see and leave beforehand. However, the topic changes in verse 23. After Jesus said that the temple stones would be thrown down, the disciples asked him what the sign of his return would be. Jesus' answer to that question begins in verse 23, but really it comes in verse 26. The Holy Spirit records for us through St. Matthew, So if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness. Do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it. For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. The destruction of Jerusalem, and really both times, was long preceded by various signs and indications. The the prophets, for example, we don't have time today to speak much about them, and perhaps that would be a good Bible study topic sometime. But the return of Christ, Jesus himself says, will be different. There will be no sign. Sure, we have signs in general that we are in the end times, and and we have been since the resurrection and ascension of Christ. Signs like earthquakes and famines and such. But there will be no sign before Jesus returns. Instead, it will be immediately and plainly visible to all people, just like Lightning, for example. The other example Jesus gives is about the vultures. If you are outside and you see a ring of of vultures or, or perhaps crows flying around overhead, then you know what's on the ground beneath. Same with Jesus' return. Everybody's going to know, but it will be without warning. St. Paul said, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. St. John adds, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. Now, the purpose of hearing and speaking about these things is is not to frighten ourselves or, or to make us afraid of Christ's coming. Rather, having been instructed by the Lord, we can be confident that he is coming. He has redeemed us by his blood and won for us eternal life. Soon he will come to gather us to his side and put away forever all sin and malice. Since we know that the day will come and are reminded this day, that it will be without warning. Let us then endeavor to be found faithful. The Lord has brought us 
into his family. He has revealed to us what is good and true, and he even produces good works in our lives through his Holy Spirit. Let us pray that he would cause us to be given to good works and that they would abound more and more in our lives. St. Paul wrote words that we'll hear again in a few weeks. Romans chapter 13. You know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.